Welcome, welcome, welcome. Right now we are we are having a snowstorm in Calgary. It might by the time you hear this podcast, the Jan Arden podcast with Adam Karsh, my very, very wonderful engineer, producer, sidekick Julie Van Rosendahl is joining us from her Calgary home. Uh, Adam has already said it's going to be 29 in Toronto uh, today and they're looking for a beautiful weekend. And Julie and I are facing um, snow. Basically, it's looking very Christmassy. All my plants are covered with throw blankets, basically. It's quite depressing, but Julie was saying just before we went on air that this is quite typical of Alberta, Southern Alberta for the long May weekend is freaking a snowstorm. May long. It's a tradition, right? People go camping, they get hopeful, they get snowed out or rained out or slushed out. It's pretty out there, you know, and it'll turn to rain and the plants need moisture and all that, but it's, it's typical for May. You were reading my mind because my mom would go, well, the farmers are going to be really grateful that it's, and, and one thing I will say about the snow, and I've learned this about the, the farmers, is that snow, unlike rain, is a, kind of a slow release. It's really kind of the best possible scenario for this time of year to really give the ground a soak because it doesn't evaporate, it doesn't blow away, it doesn't dry up, it sits on top of the ground. So for all of you people listening, welcome to Agriculture Today with Jan, Julie, and Adam. <laughs> That's a good silver lining. <laughs> as long as it doesn't drop to minus 20 and freeze everything again. Or as long as it doesn't snow. I mean, we have had a lot of dumps of snow early in the fall at, that have destroyed trees and plants, right? Oh. So it's, you know... I know all my, all my, all the uh, little green leaves are trying to come off. I worry about that too. When you get those kind of really strange snowfalls in June, when we have some pretty mature leaves out on the trees and Mm. they snap branches off, that really is disheartening. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to the podcast. I feel like I haven't uh, talked to you, Adam, in a long time, but I just spoke to you last week. Julie, you've been, you've been doing stuff the last month. We, we haven't Mm. talked to you, so it's great to revisit you. And, and I, we'd be remiss, Adam and I, to not ask you right out of the gate of where we're at with the butter. Oh, we've talked about Buttergate. Uh, we promised people updates. We never got to it because time restrictions. Mm-hmm, uh, for mm-hmm. those, explain, just c- kind of give us a brief update on what, what Buttergate was for our listeners <laughs> and where it's at now. <laughs> People are like, not butter again. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this sort of took up the first quarter of my year was this this look into the texture of butter. People had started saying <laughs> early last year, what's going on with butter? Why can't I spread it anymore? And people were asking me on Twitter and, you know, people were talking about it and noticing that it was firmer at room temperature, right? You know, when I was a kid, I remember walking past the butter dish and taking a finger swipe of the butter and just licking my finger because it was so soft. And, uh, and so I, it was something I'd kind of started paying attention to. I, I s- stopped writing recipes with ingredients that said butter at room temperature because at room temperature wasn't necessarily soft enough to beat into your cookie dough or whatever. So I kind of dug into it in February. Uh, there was like a polar vortex. And so I, I hunkered down as we were all doing it. Anyway, it was my COVID project. And, uh, and I went and bought a whole bunch of butters and I had them all laid out on my countertop. I was poking them. Everyone was poking their butters and sending me pictures of their butter poking. Anyway, uh, so I did some research into, um, you know, bovine nutrition and the digestive system of ruminant animals. And, uh, you know, and someone on Instagram, uh, because I posted everywhere, I posted my theories and what I was looking into. And as you do, people know stuff as you do. Right. And, uh, and so someone messaged me who I don't even know, I don't know who it was. And they said, you know, I worked in uh, logistics for the livestock feed industry, which is massive, by the way, not surprisingly, I can't fathom. Right. And so they said there've been a lot of uh, supply chain disruptions, especially with food ingredients that are coming from overseas like molasses and palm fats and I was like wait a second palm fat so palm oil and palm kernel oil are you know well known in the the food processing sector for sure Um, very high in saturated fat 
saturated fat was, is firm at room temperature and unsaturated fat is not. So that was my theory, right? Right. The, the fat is harder because there has to be a change in the fatty acid levels. In the cow of what's coming out of the cow. And so how does, how, why would the fatty acid levels change? So if you look, you know, at fats in your kitchen, you look at lard, it's firmer than canola oil. Canola oil is liquid because it's mostly liquid at room temperature. But then the more saturated a fat gets, the more solid it is at room temperature. So coconut oil and palm fats. Like a coconut, a coconut, it, like a coconut. Yeah. I was just going to say yeah. your jar of coconut oil that sits in the cupboard or on your counter and you have to scoop it out with a big spoon and chuck it in your pan. Exactly. Because it's mostly saturated. So my theory was that the, the, the ratio of saturated to unsaturated fats had changed in butter, which is likely due to the diet. And then ding, 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 palm fats. So that started this trajectory of, I spent a couple of weeks researching, talking to people, um, put out a story. So how is that getting into the cows? This is what your mind is doing. (laughs) Like why, what's happening? And why aren't we reading that on a label on our butters? And uh, it, it got more complicated. It is an incredibly complicated industry. It's a $20 billion industry. Uh, a lot of people in the industry weren't aware of the effects of these palmitic acid supplements that farmers, some farmers, not all farmers, um, give to cows, uh, you know, as, a, as an energy supplement, but also because it boosts the output and the fat, the, the proportion of fat, the milk fat or butter fat in the resulting milk. And, uh, you know, we've been, we've been baking a lot. There's a huge demand for butter. 20 years yeah. ago, people were eating more margarine. And so oh. now we're, we're eating more butter. So it's all super, super interesting. And, uh, you know, and the, so to update, you know, there was a lot of, you know, a lot of claims that there is no evidence. There actually is a lot of research. I spent a lot of time researching and I have a huge file. That dairy cows are being fed a palm palm whatever supplement tell me what it is palmitic acid and they're being fed that that's the the cows are being fed that and because they're being fed that it doesn't have to be listed on the butter itself because it's in the cow not conceivably in the butter it's in the feed exactly it's the it's the cow's food not going into the butter but it's changing the fatty acid profile of the result but that's how they get around it that's how they get around listing it, right? Well, yeah, they, yeah. They don't list, you know, the forage and the grains and the, you know, the things that the cows eat. They, it, it, but it changes the way the this fatty acid profile of the milk. And we understand that when we say, you know, people say, oh, well, I only get grass fed. They, they sort of understand that the feed affects the food. But when it went the other direction, people were like, well, there's no evidence, you know, and palmitic acid exists naturally, which it does. It's the primary saturated fat in dairy products, meat. Um, So it exists, but does that matter? Does it matter that there is more of it in the result, in the resulting butter? So what people weren't understanding was that these uh, palmitic acid supplements were transferring to the milk, right? So about 40% ish of the palmitic acid is transferring to the milk itself and it's showing up in butter that's firmer at room temperature. It's all super interesting. I've talked to so many teachers and researchers and people are teaching it in their classrooms and, uh, and just, you know, it's great that people have a better understanding. Does this, does this, does this happen all over the world? Are, are dairy cows all over this planet being fed the palmitic acid? in their diet. Yes, yes, they are. So in different forms. So in New Zealand, New Zealand is the primary exporter of of dairy products. In Canada, most of our dairy products are are produced here. Um, We don't import very much. New Zealand is the largest worldwide exporter of dairy products. Their primary uh, dairy cow feed that comes into, that they they bring in, um, is called PKE, so palm kernel expeller. And it's the crushed kernel that's left over after you extract the palm kernel oil from the palm kernel. The kernel is in the middle of the palm fruit. We're seeing palm fruit, we gotta talk about this too, on labels now, um, because it sounds sort of healthier. But anyway, the palm kernel expeller (laughs) is 
is, is cow feed, you know, and, and those sort of crushed holes of grains and oil seeds are common in livestock feed around the world. But I've been talking to researchers, you know, in Ireland and, you know, all over the EU is a big importer of PKE. So people are looking into it in other places as well in the US. Um, but I did a follow-up story a few weeks ago that kind of got a little bit buried because of the news cycle that week. Um, and it was shorter than it could have been because print is, you know, we don't have, I, I couldn't just write 4,000 words for, for print. Um, but I did a follow-up in the Globe and Mail and uh, about sort of why, why it matters. You know, if our butter and, and so our Canadian butter is so, sort of known as our Canadian hard butter and it's higher in palmitic acid <laughs> out West. Oh, by the way, so in all of this, Sorry, Adam, are we running out of time? No, you have a minute. Go ahead. Okay, okay, You've okay. Got one minute. So, so, so researchers at the University of Guelph, all, all, everyone was saying, there's no evidence, we don't have proof, you know, and there was, there was a lot of research that showed palmitic acid transfer from the supplements to the milk, but is it making your butter harder? So these researchers, Alejandro and his team in Guelph, went and bought a whole bunch of butters, tested them. I sent him a whole bunch of butters from Alberta. He got a whole bunch of butters from out East. And uh, he, they actually proved a correlation between the palmitic acid content and the firmness of the butter. And he could now say that he could, he could tell the, the palmitic acid content of the butter by poking it. So it went like full circle. The researchers in Guelph uh, are poking ha! the butter. That was in fact the best this finger, I'm waving my finger in the air, but she can't see, but is the best test of butter firmness, which equals palmitic acid levels. And we will leave it at that. That's our segment. You're listening to the Jan Arden Podcast. I'm with Julie Van Rosendahl. We'll be right back. It's like butter. It's like butter, baby. It's like butter. It's like butter, baby. It's like butter. It's like butter, baby. Welcome back to the Jan Arden Show Podcast Variety Hour Julie Van Rosendahl, Adam Karsh is here. Uh, Adam is uh, bragging about a 29 degree day, a very lovely weekend that they're going to have. We will not be having that. Um, here's something interesting, Adam. This this will this this pertains more to you than Julie and I at this point. Okay. The brightest white paint ever developed by scientists. Well, of course, scientists develop paint because it wouldn't be the the paint people. It wouldn't be the Bayer. Home Depot people. This is scientists. Um, and the reason that I'm even bringing this up is because they're saying that painting your roof with this super duper white paint uh, could cool your home better than an air conditioner. Really? Huh. Which, you know, if you're thinking about living in uh, a place in the world that doesn't have access to AC, I mean, when you think of you know, South America or India or um, Malaysia, the, you know, uh, South Asia. I mean, there's, they deal with a lot of heat a lot of the year. So, uh, and electricity ain't cheap. So, you know, nope. maybe the bucket of paint. Anyway, what it does, hmm. um, and I, who the people are who measure this is beyond me, but this is our science people. Um, at night, it changes the temperature like over 10 degrees Celsius, lowers it. Wow. And during the day, it keeps things uh, you know, four and a half degrees um, lower, which, which I guess is really huge when it comes to like the heating and cooling of a human body. Anyway, it broke the, the world record of how it tests because it, this new paint reflects 98% of the sunlight. So it bounces it back instead of letting it absorb into your home. I just, I, I love the fact that there's people in the world that are doing this. Like they're sitting down, they're having their Tim Hortons and they're going, do you notice how I'm dropping all these names within this? <laughs> they're eating their, their Tim Hortons and um, they're uh, discussing, Hey, let's, let's see if we can make a whiter paint than what's already happening. So it's whiter than eggshell. <laughs> Would eggshell work? I don't know if eggshell is very white. <laughs> Can't they just make shingles out of this white? I mean, yeah. whether they're painted or just the material, the molecular structure of, I have no idea what I'm talking about, but the, can't they create the shingles to reflect with this white? 
I don't know, but they also have the blackest black. It's called Vanta Black. I think I've seen that. And and it absorbs 99.9% of visible light. There's something about that that kind of takes my breath away. So, you know, maybe for you people that are insomniacs, you may want to get a hold of a gallon of Vanta Black and paint your bedroom. My mascara is blackest black. Does that mean it's absorbing all the light around me? <laughs> Sucking Probably. It, 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 people might not be able to see your head because of it. I don't know. <laughs> you might be having adverse effects. <laughs> well, and the thing about paint is that, you know, it's inexpensive and p- people could sort of slap it on whatever their roof material already is. Right. I don't know. Um, I'm liking it. I would definitely yeah. do it. If I lived someplace where I'm just like dying at night, um, yeah. and at night, especially to lower the temperature of where you're at by 10 degrees Celsius is, uh, I don't even, I don't understand it. Cause I am not a very bright person. Um, keeping in line with that sort of mode of what people are talking about. I just read an article by 2050. They, the science science people, once again, are saying that human beings and robots machines will be integrated. Oh. So that human beings 29 years from now are going to be integrated with um, uh, mechanical parts. Yeah. So Star Trek was right. Cool. They've always been right. Star Trek has always been right. So what does that mean to you guys? Do you think we will literally have our phones or that our cellular devices like implanted in our bodies? Like, will we even be carrying a phone? Thoughts? I wouldn't be surprised, right? It's coming. And we, we might be it. alive, Julie. We might be. Well, you'll be alive. I'm 59. I'm so I'll be right like, behind you. I'll be 89. And perhaps my phone will be in my left breast. And I'll just well, tap a nipple. I don't know. How is this? <laughs> and you'll be. <laughs> eater, eater, eater. <laughs> uh, but you'll be part robot, right? So maybe maybe that will affect our longevity. Well, they're saying man and machine will be integrated and they yeah. think as early as 2050. Now, yeah. the way things are going right now, I'm with you, Julie. It doesn't surprise me to think about what that would look like. People are already doing unbelievable body modifications. Oh, um, for sure. And they are putting they're putting horns in their head. They're having titanium horns put on their skulls because that's what they want to look like. They are Mm -hmm. having, um, there was a guy that, that wanted to look like a lizard. It started with tattooing and then he started getting body modifications. So he's got like these bumps, almost like, um, looks like a dinosaur tail going down each arm. You yeah. kind of see, and yeah. it, and it's it's metal things that he's put under his skin. His cheekbones have been raised by like an inch on each side by these metal pieces. So what's to say that those metal pieces don't have software and can control? I mean, who knows? Totally. Do, you, do you remember the Google Glass when when they had those glasses for a short period of time that people could wear, and that was their screen? Yes. Well, and they're saying that humans are uh, evolving to have like hooked pinky fingers the way they hold their phones. So I've been looking at my my pinkies and my right pinky is definitely more crooked than my left pinky. Like I feel like my right pinky is already used to cradling the bottom of my iPhone. Oh, that's that's awful. That's awful to think about. So it's mod your, your body is morphing. It's modifying itself according to my electronics and my, and my eyes. I've always, I've had glasses since junior high, but my eyes have gotten worse. Only one eye. And I think it's because I lie in bed and look at my phone, but how do, so how do we upgrade? Right. I mean, we're conditioned to upgrade our electronics every what, two years, is it? They fail. Well, software you, you, that you could plug something in. I mean, you know, pacemakers are replaced every decade. My right. mom had a pacemaker for, you know, years. And I remember 
they just put her in a twilight sleep. So she wasn't completely uh, under anesthetic because it's hard on your body. So she's chilled mm-hmm. out because they literally just had to make an incision where the pacemaker pack was, take it out. I believe another lead wire was threaded in. I believe that they changed those out as well to make sure they're conducting properly. Mm-hmm. But they're very fine fiber optic wires. Like they're very... Yeah, and invasive. Yeah. So... Yeah, you go in for your upgrade. You you go yeah. in and maybe you get a twilight sleep. You get a little bit of a sedation, and they literally plug into whatever's underneath your skin. Yeah, but I would I would imagine that's where it would start. Would be with phone, um, and how you charge your battery. That's beyond me. Like how? Oh yeah, totally. Maybe your solar. Maybe maybe you have to go sit out in the sun. Maybe they're a drive through. Well, it's interesting to think about you know, jumpstarting your own car just with your body. Yeah. Or somebody else's body. (laughs) Well, I'm going to do, (laughs) uh, yeah, that could be a whole new thing, but there's lots of things happening. There's a lot of things happening with, with technology and there's a lot of things happening with how people are living their lives. I mean, it's, You'd be hard pressed to find a photograph of people anywhere in the world, just taken randomly of people in a square, people sitting around a fountain, sitting at a dinner, sitting, walking through a jungle that don't have their cellular device in their hand, or that there's groups of people that all have their phones in their hand. I mean, most people are listening to our show right now, probably on their cell phone. Um, A lot of people say that they take us for walks, you know, they're on their hikes, Anyway, we have lots to talk about today. I've got uh, Caitlin Green, our illustrious companion, who's going to be back with us hopefully in no time, has sent me some some topics. So we're going to share those with you when we come back. This is the Jan Arden Show. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, you're listening to the Jan Arden Show. I'm with Julie Van Rosendahl. I'm with Adam Karsh. Adam is in Toronto. Julie is downtown Calgary in a house. Julie, how old is your house? 100 and... It is 1906. So 14 years old? 15 years? 115. Oh my gosh. 115 years old. You've got the greatest house. I love your house. It I has think a lot of character. Well, it's it's a beautiful home. I just... And I feel like... They're actually trying to make houses now that look like your house. Like a lot of young people, couples moving into their new homes. It's kind of fashioned after that, you know, the staircase over to the one side and they come in. They're looking, your house looks very European to me, but you've got that great long yard with a shed and a garage at the end, a place for a garden. And whenever I, uh, the few times that I've been to your house, um, it's so you remind me of being at Nigel's house in Europe. It, it, it's very European, yeah. big trees, lots of big old trees. And you live across the street from one of Calgary's first, I guess it was a brothel at one point, And yes. it was actually a hotel uh, for the railway workers. Yep. Yeah. Right across the street. And uh, it's, is it a, a, a private home now that place? It is. Yeah, it's a private home. Uh, it's it's not much bigger than than mine, which is not huge. So, and my sister used to live across the street in an almost as old house. And it was, there was CP rail housing, you know, back in the day, uh, made from Eaton's catalogs kits, huh. right? And I, I just had someone uh, from a group uh, from the city, a, a heritage society that they want to designate this house as a, a heritage home. So the hotel home or your home? My home. Yeah. Oh, that is so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we did sort of a site, they did a site visit yesterday and we walked around the outside and looked at the different, uh, the, the, there's a lot of interesting writing in the cement and sort of imprints in the cement, old colored stones. Uh, there's one cement block in the backyard. That's an unusual, shape concrete block i should say cement is liquid concrete is solid <laughs> it says 1932 uh it's got some ch- children's handprints in it so Aww. i'm super curious what's underneath it but uh but yeah it's you know there's not one closet on the front i think i said this last time you know the main level but it's it, i love it 
it's got so much warmth and so much character. And you can't tell me that there's not a hundred and fifteen years of memories soaked into that wood. I mean, it has not been stripped of original walls or or anything like that. Um, walking in there, you get such a sense of home. I don't know what, what else, what other word. It, it really sums it up. You know, you walk, even even going in the front door, when you think about human lives lived. And I love that part of history. I love considering, you know, what fights happened in that living room and the storming up the stairs and how much we've changed, but how little we've changed. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, the hardwood floors in the living room are this, the same ones. And I just gosh, gosh thinking about what, you know, the, yeah. this, these floors could talk, the stories they would tell. And I just, you feel it, right? You just sort of feel the, the history. I love old things in general. The, the garage apparently housed uh, some people or a family during the Great Depression. And, uh, it, you know, the, the few renos that, uh, that I've done here that we've pulled old valentines out of the walls and old newspapers and and it's all lath and plaster walls underneath the the builders who are doing the the, hanging the new kitchen cabinets were like so apparently there's not one um strut or no it's what's the word like a the studs studs thank you <laughs> it wasn't quite right there's there wasn't one stud so they sort of hung the cabinets from the top stud like it's just very and everything's wonky right everything is so crooked that i you know i was having a, a christmas party years ago and someone brought a jello mold and it was on the <laughs> kitchen counter and it i went in the kitchen and it was slid it slid off the plate onto the countertop and i was like oh that's weird i, I shimmied it back on went back 20 minutes later, it's like off the plate again. The house is just so crooked, right? Well, it's, it's either that or there's a poltergeist. A, a very friendly poltergeist. I don't know. I, it's just, there is just something completely captivating for me about old buildings. Like as a kid in Calgary, folks, we have a place called Heritage Park. And a lot of Calgarians, they might roll their eyeballs a little bit, but I think there has been a real resurgence with the interest in Heritage Park. Um, certainly with lockdown, we all want to go do stuff that, you know, was available to us for 50 years, but now suddenly we really have to go because we're, we can't go. But it is, it's been buildings that have been reclaimed from all over the province and uh, it's a little western town but going there as a kid you guys i was in heaven they had a functioning bakery you could smell the bread when you got onto the grounds they had a functioning sort of a um a candy shop um it just was you know with licorice root and and old-timey candies and there was a guy in the in the blacksmith shop making horseshoes or whatever um if you ever get a chance to go do it they have an old paddle wheeler they have it it is something that just makes you feel kind of hopeful and these lazy wonderful simple days and i know they weren't so simple like i was talking about there was lots of stuff that went on in your house and like you said a depression family living in the back garage for a while um but there's just it just seems simple. Let's put it that yeah. way. But it is lovely and it's so beautifully done. And I you can it. go and have an old-fashioned Sunday and a root beer and yeah. uh, f- some kind of a float. Yeah. There were hardships. We don't talk about the dentist office at the uh, <laughs> across from the Wainwright no. Hotel. No. You know, <laughs> I don't have, I can't even imagine, you know, getting dental work back then. But then the butter tarts at the bakery are fantastic. So Dental work. A hundred years ago? No, thank <laughs> No, you. thank you. Thank you, no. No nostalgic memories about that. I think they just, I think you just had to grin and bear it. I, I literally think if you had to get a tooth pulled, they probably did it as quickly as they could, but there wouldn't have been any anesthetic. I mean, maybe they used uh, clove. I know my grandmother talked about clove, yeah, clove oil. Oil, yeah. They'd rub on there, but I don't think for a molar extraction, that would have done a lot. Uh, a shot, shot of whiskey, shot of moonshine. Yeah, I just, ooh, 
even I was at an old, uh, out in Saskatchewan in the middle of nowhere. I can't even remember what the town was, but there was, there's an old museum, uh, and they had an old like hair salon with these, these, uh, like a, a chair the that you perming, the, 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 yes. yeah, the big electric giant electric. And it was like a car battery that you'd like, you know, you're boosting your car <laughs> to give these, like how many women no. died getting perms in these, you know, um, None, Julie. Electric. No, no <laughs> women died getting perms. Well, the, the whole thing, you know, talking earlier in the show about, you know, by 2050, human beings being a hybrid of human flesh and and machine. So yeah, maybe the perming the perming unit was ahead of its time uh, at hooking us up. But but yeah, it's uh, I'm I've got someone right now looking into my ancestry i know so much about my dad's side because they're mormons so the mormons are the group of people behind ancestry.com or ancestry.ca it's the lineage that the mormon church has done for hundreds of years it's some some of the best ancestry work in the world has been done by the latter-day saints people I know tons on my dad's side. It goes back hundreds and hundreds of years, but very little on my mother's side. So I have just started going down that road with finding out, you know, where, what I can find out about my great grandmother, Ernestine Zato, who had 17 kids, um, you know, and who met my great grandfather coming over on a ship from Europe. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm so interested in stuff like that. I really feel like there's so much to know about ourselves. Anyway, you're, we, we, we've got more to talk about. You're listening to The Jan Arden Show. Julie Van Rosendahl is here with us. We'll be right back. Our house is a very, very, very fine house With two cats in the yard Life used to be so hard Now everything is Welcome back. This is the Jan Arden Show, Variety Hour podcast. I'm with Julie Van Rosendahl. Adam Karsh is with us. Um, 200 questions every couple should ask each other. This has certainly been a time to reflect on the relationships that we're in this last 15 months. Uh, dating in uh, the new world. Um, how to navigate the relationships that we're already in. Anyway, it doesn't matter how long you've been together. Um, you still feel like sometimes, probably in the heat of, a, of, a, of an argument, you wonder, do I even know this person? <sighs> just, you know, I just, I, I never thought you'd do something like this. This is so not like you. So all these things kind of come up. And this is people that have been together sometimes 25, 30 years. I mean, you hear about uh, women that, you know, sleep beside a guy for 30 plus years and they're serial killers. I mean, we, we see these things happening all the time. So they've made a list. Uh, I don't know who the, they are of 200 questions that couples need to ask each other. And it goes from your childhood to, you know, their future. Um, I don't know if you'd call them conversation starters, uh, but I'll give you an example. What's something about me that turns you on quickly? This is what you would say to your partner. Uh, the next question, what's the strangest thing you have ever done in your life? Like, I think stuff like this would be super fun at a party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think there are games that are like this, right? That have questions. Would you rather? I, I love would you rather. That's my Would favorite. you rather is the best. That was Willem's favorite. Yeah. Would you rather? We'll play that next time. What, what makes you hate a person? Oh, hate's a pretty strong word. Yeah. W yeah. Would you rather lose a toe or have another date with your worst ex? I would go on a date. I'm not losing a toe. I'm not going to give up a toe for a, some time. Yeah, no. This is, I believe, from a book called Questions for Couples or an online service. So just, I just want to credit the people that are doing this. Questions for Couples. What? Okay, I'm going to let you guys answer this one if you if you feel comfortable adam i'll ask you first what aspect of yourself would you improve if you had the chance hmm oh god what aspect would i improve <laughs> uh, you, can, you can 
Someone tell me to F off too. No, no, no. I, I could probably think of a few. Um, I don't know. I, I procrastinate sometimes. You're procrastinating answering this question. I know. See, perfect yeah. tie-in. I'm, I'm a procrastinator. I'll do it later. That's me. Yeah. Julie, do you want I that question to. or do you want me to ask you a different one? That's a hard question. I would, I would maybe have more confidence in myself. You seem so confident to me. Like fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> but I don't think you self- do that at all. I think confidence. It's okay, not the let right me word. ask you this. Let me ask not you the right this. Word. Yeah. Because I have confidence, but I don't always have self-esteem. That, maybe that's it. I'm very self-conscious. I'm very worried about what people. I worry too much more about what people think. More of a, a people pleaser than I maybe should be. I do that too. Yeah. I mean, I have self-esteem. I have confidence. I need to better articulate this. Uh, yeah. Next question. Well, <laughs> um, what one quality or skill would you benefit if you could wake up tomorrow with it? So these are questions we're asking cu- couples, right? Yeah. These, these, these would be, this would be you sitting across from, you know, whether it's your son, Willem, whether it's your wife, Adam. Yeah. Get to know each other a little bit better. Deciding whether you're a, a, a couple, couple worthy. Like some of them are really cute. Like what, what, how do you like to spend a rainy afternoon? Oh, I love rainy afternoons. <laughs> okay. Well, here's a, here's a good question for you. How would you spend a rainy afternoon? Depends on the day. Depends who I'm with. Um, depends. Yeah. I, I depends on if I have deadlines. How would I? <laughs> I like, I like a fire, you know, I like being at home. I like eating. So food would be a part of it. You know, good company would be a good thing. Um, Would be nice. A fireplace, you know, some books or some watching something or just, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty easy to please. Me too. I think so. And I, and I, and I mean, I don't know you super well, but I, I find you so easygoing, but I also would imagine that sometimes people would take advantage of that a little bit. Do you find that? Possibly. Like, <laughs> like just, just, you know, take advantage of, uh, you're extremely generous. You, you, you have one of the kindest hearts. You have done so many nice things for me. Uh, just leaving goodies on my gate. Um, just being, you're just very thoughtful that way. Oh, thanks. But I have a hard time saying no. So maybe that's, just, that's something that I need to, to work on. I have a, a friend uh, who works at CBC who says, oh, sorry, I have family in town when he try, wants to turn down a... Uh. And I, that's brilliant because his family lives in town, right? So, <laughs> um, sorry, I have family in town. Okay. <laughs> that's I mean... Some of these other questions are, are pretty fun. I mean, I guess there's things that you don't think of asking your partner. What, what has been the weirdest food you've eaten? I know what oh. mine is, and I'm, I'm not proud, but it was some kind of a gummy, I'm not kidding you, made out of lamb. Really? It was a, a, gel- it was, it was a, it was a gelatin lamb thing. And it was, I was one of the... Um, celebrity guest judges on top chef years ago in Canada. Mm, mm-hmm. I was a and, judge on iron chef. Yeah. And they had a cube of gelat. I mean, I don't eat meat anymore, but what's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten, Julie? Oh, I mean, weird is weird is sort of subjective, right? Like, uh, yeah, you're right. What you're is right. The most, you know, in terms of, you know, people could have go to a- animals, right. Antelope. Um, Years ago, I had, yeah. Um, oh, what is the, years ago, I had um, bear, actually. Whoa. My, my mom and my gram ate bear. My mom and my gram, they ate bear up in the lumber camps. That's what they had. Yeah. It was, it was not delicious as far as meats go. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of, you know, different game and um, awful and, uh, you know, sea urchin, different sort of seafoods um, out on the coast. Um, oh my gosh, now I'm drawing a blank on uh, those sort of long. Are they razor clams? 
Razor clams. Oh, I've had razor clams. Yeah. But, um, oh my gosh, my brain is panicking. Adam, Adam, what is the weirdest thing that you've ever eaten? Probably the two weirdest things I've ever eaten. Uh, one of them is frog's legs. I've tried <laughs> frog legs before. They were pretty good, actually. I mean, this was years ago, but I, I've oh, eaten frog gosh. legs and I've tried alligator. I guess at the end of the day, what, what this whole exercise is about is no matter what point you're at in a relationship is taking the time to ask questions. Uh, you know, people often talk to me about, you know, don't you get sick of being interviewed? Uh, because they ask you the same questions over and over again. Well, it's up to me to find new ways to answer these questions. And I'm telling you, yes, I've been asked the same questions over the years. Um, and certainly not from, well, yeah, from partners too, but from journalists. But I, depending on, you know, where I'm at in my life, I, the, the answer is always different. I'm always, you know, it's always something different. Like, how did you get started or... You know, what, what's your favorite song to sing? I mean, that really changes from, from year to year. So like, moral of the story, blah, 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 is ask questions. I think people really genuinely like being asked questions and to show interest in other people and then to actually sit back and listen to the answer. Um, if you're, I mean, never mind playing cards. When you have a great conversation going at a dinner, there is nothing in the world like it. There's nothing in the world like learning something about an old friend. And I love being able to say, I didn't know that about you. I didn't know you went there. I didn't know you had that. Anyhow, Julie Van Rosendahl, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for including me again. I love this. Oh my gosh. I love you guys. I love you guys too. I love you, man. I can't wait to see what happens with your garden. Uh, go to Julie's Instagram, Dinner with Julie. Uh, she has something that's almost like ASMR visually, and it's watering her garden. So she comes out <laughs> with her water, and sometimes it's just a story of watering the garden. Anyway, thanks for being with us today, folks. Jan Arden Podcast. Listen at your favorite podcast outlets. Give me, give me. Okay, we're back. And if uh, if you're still hanging in there with us on iTunes or Spotify, uh, this is the bonus content for the uh, the podcast. And with Julie, and she's finally remembered the food, the weirdest food that she ever ate. And it's called, <laughs> she said gooey duck, but then it was geo, geo duck. So what are we at now? It's, well, it's spelled geo duck, but it's pronounced gooey duck. And it's geo- <laughs> It's it's a large clam. It's yeah. very phallic. Yeah. It has this like phallic extrusion that comes out of the And shell. how was it prepared? But, uh, oh, I can't even remember. It's prepared a lot of different ways. It's very chewy. Julie Van Rosendahl is one of the preeminent food uh, people in this country. And uh, if this is what she's eaten. Now, if I wasn't vegan, Julie, I would be in there, sleeves rolled up, and I would try it. But yep. of course, that ship has sailed for me. Yeah. So it was chewy. Would it be oystery, muscly? Is it sort of yes. that family of things? Yeah, that family. And, you know, very native to the Pacific Northwest. You, you got to try things too. And I'm all for people trying things. But I think we also have to find limits to that. You know, pre-COVID, we were seeing young people you know, in different parts of the world that were eating deep fried bad. And it was, for me, it was really very disconcerting. Um, there was a picture that was circulating on Instagram a while ago with a, a young woman that had been kind of had a facial injury, a laceration from a live octopus that she was trying to eat. And oh. I'm thinking, well, fucking rights, because you've got you're trying to eat a live octopus and I'm surprised it didn't take your eye out. Um, so, you know, things like that. I, I think the food trends, we have to be mindful with it. Yeah. It's great to be adventurous and try good, cool things, but to also be very respectful of the dignity of another living thing. I mean, let's hope that these things are dead for one thing. Yeah. Um, there was a picture of a fish, you know, of sushi taken too far, of a live fish perched on this thing, of people cutting into its back. 
and it, it gasping for air. So I'm just saying when I see things like that on Instagram, I block the accounts because anyone that would post that to glorify anything like that. And I know yeah. I'm, I don't want to sound preachy, but man, I get sick of it and how far human beings can push that stuff out. And, you know, as we know with the internet, these trends, you know, people are eating goddamn pot, detergent pods. I'm not going to name companies, but you know, it's something that it doesn't work that way. If you've ever put cinnamon in a recipe, you see it dissipate on top of a liquid. It doesn't, it's, it's just that spice doesn't work that way. Anyhow, mm-hmm. welcome to the bonus round of the podcast today. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, uh, um, and an update on the horses too. People have asked me about the, the um, you know, how things are going with the petition with shipping the live horses to Japan also for human consumption for sashimi. Uh, these horses are not alive, so I don't want to mislead you in any way. They are slaughtered when they're there, but they are used for uh, raw bashimi, which is a, it would be like a, a, a beef carpaccio. It's, it's horse, but it's just getting them there. That is not very pleasant at all. You know, in the crates, uh, Julie and, and Adam and I were talking just when we went to break from the end of the last segment that in the United States, there's something in the house right now called the safe act. And Julie was saying that, you know, president Biden is endorsing this and it's basically stopping all domestic horse slaughter and all of the exporting of horses. There's a hundred thousand plus horses that come up to us every year from the United States. And they don't even know how many are going south into Mexico from the United States, but they're, they're planning on stopping that completely. So if you're in a horse in a trailer or you got a, you know, a, a trailer full of horses and you're trying to go to Mexico or coming up here, uh, if this act goes through, that will be, that will end. And that's really going to shift uh, how the perception is with Canada. So I'm excited about that, of the pressure that it will put on the Canadian government to stop exporting horses. They're simply not mentally, physically, um, emotionally equipped. And the horses are not that kind of an animal. They can't be treated the same way cattle are or, or pigs are. Not that they should be treated like that either, but horses just are not meant for that. And I just, you know, what's the big cowboy rule? You don't eat your own horse. So mm-hmm. they should not be frequent flyers. No, they shouldn't be frequent flyers. No. Anyway, I'm glad Julie thought of Geo Duck, which sent me, into, sent me into a spiral. Have you, are you, I Googled the, an image of this. Are you looking at it? It's very phallic. And I feel like it, is... it shouldn't even be on my screen. Are you looking, <laughs> have you seen what it looks like? That's a disturbing image on my screen. I know. Well, who hasn't eaten phallic things in their life? You know, if, <laughs> if you're a woman of a certain age, it's a pretty good chance that you may have eaten geoduck at some point in your life. Uh, sashimi. Yeah. Uh, no, there's, yeah. Some very, there's some very strange things out there that we eat. There's some very strange, I mean, cultural things that you can get into. Um, I am always very fascinated going to Asian supermarkets because there's vegetables there. Um, that I have just fallen in love with over the years. Like, I don't think I, I, I eat probably bok choy. The choy family is like once a week and the sprouts and they have these really long, gorgeous beans that you've seen them one time. They literally have to wrap them around each other and put an elastic band, but they're, they're a foot and a half long. Mm-hmm. They are the most delicious beans, mm-hmm. like a long green bean with a black mm-hmm. bean sauce or garlic or, you know, a chili paste. Um, if you ever get a chance to wander into an Asian grocery store, it is an adventure just for the fruits and vegetables. And you were talking about something with fruit too earlier, Julie, about, uh, you, you, you made mention of it. Can you expand on that? You said, you know, that they're trying to pawn the stuff off as a, as a healthy alternative, something fruit you said. Uh, oh, palm fruit. Yes. Palm fruit. So we were talking about, uh, Palm, palm oil and palm kernel oil being fed to cows via palmitic acid supplements. And yeah. everyone's very upset about that. But then, you know, when you look at there, there's so many plant-based products, there's a huge demand for palm fats and pa- plant-based products. Right. Yes. 
plant saturated fats that that plant-based, right. That are solid at room temperature. So, and in 2018 health Canada banned, uh, hydrogenation process. So you don't see partially hydrogenated oils anymore, which is what made liquid fat solid. Anyway. So if you look at a lot of the, the plant-based butters, plant butters and plant spreads, they're primarily palm fats, palm oil and palm kernel oil, but they say on the ingredient list, palm fruit, because it sounds like maybe something different. It sounds better than sounds like maybe it's made with watermelon or something. Right. So it's sort of, you know, but packaging is, you know, notorious for trying to embellish what's actually inside and make things sound. Are you a label reader? I read the back of the package. That's where the, that's where the truth lies. Right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I think for the most part, I don't, I don't have a lot of, I don't eat a lot of, of packaged food. Um, I, you know, I cook a lot. Yeah. No, I love it. you you always inspire, like going on to your Instagram, the dinner with Julie, you got to do it on Instagram folks. It's, it's so fantastic. And your stories of, of baking stuff. And, and when things don't, I've, I've been fascinated with your focaccia stuff lately. Oh, my ramp focaccia. Oh, gosh, dang. I would, well, I'll, I'll make you one anytime. Although if I can find ramps, you, they don't grow here very well. You know, they don't grow on trees, oh. ramps. They just don't. They, they grow, grow under, the under trees and mostly under Ontario trees and in like more moist conditions. We're so dry here. Um, apparently down in Southern Alberta, they do around Lethbridge. I've, I've heard, but I've, I haven't seen them or gone foraging for them myself. But um, yeah, hey, which is do you do? You, have you tried asparagus? Like uh, I, I just, I just at 59 years old saw how asparagus grows. I don't know why it's never dawned on me. Are you serious? Oh, I, I got to take, <laughs> I got to take you out to harvest some. I just went and harvested some at my niece's uh, place out by Drumheller. And somebody said on Instagram, every time I see a picture of asparagus growing, it looks like a joke. It looks like someone's playing a joke on this is how asparagus grows. Cause it's just one stock growing out yes. of the ground and you go along and you can actually almost see it growing. Like you can go through in the morning when it gets really, really hot and harvest it and come back through the afternoon and harvest it again. Cause it just, the stocks just come straight up. And now that you got me on asparagus, thinner is not better. Yeah. Thinner is not better in life and asparagus. It's, uh, it's not an indication of, of like youth. The thicker asparagus is an older or woodier. The thicker asparagus is better because you have a better ratio of inside to skin. That's how I feel about my body. Same. But I have, I don't know, my ratio of skin to insides. Is I, your, your, ratio, your ratio is goddamn awesome. And so is mine. And so is Adam's. And, you know, people have got to stop being hard on themselves. You know, I have heard ad nauseum the 15, 20 pounds that people have gained, you know, over this past 15 months. And you know what? Screw that all of it, you guys. Eat your damn chips find comfort in that it's not going to last and so what it takes you a little while to you know figure out how to get back into your eating routine or whatever but you know what you look after your mental health number one because your your mind is going to look after your body and your body can carry a little extra whatever and how, who says it's freaking extra anyway why is it extra this or she's sure carrying extra that um, and, and further to that, my last point, don't look at the size of whatever you're trying on. It doesn't goddamn matter if the pants fit and it's not a number that seems, trust me, the fashion industry has no clue what a standardized sizes. Anything means go try shoes on sometime. Seven isn't a seven. It depends what brand you're buying, you know, all of that stuff. So please don't be hard on yourselves. You know, this is about maintaining uh, a, a degree of wellness and happiness. And if it comes in the shape of a hot dog bun with cheese in it and maybe some spears of asparagus and some Ritz crackers crumbled in, not that I've ever had that, but that sounds good to me now that I'm thinking about it. Totally baking that. Just be kind to yourself. All these things will sort themselves out. Um, and, you know, for me, kind of eating what I want this past 15 months and walking, I, between those two things, I have really felt well. Yeah. 
guilt has no, there's no good can come of beating no yourself good. up nope. for eating something that you naturally crave or yeah. Don't even bother. These are such unprecedented and I hate the word unprecedented, but these are really weird yeah. days and we've got a lot going on that take that off. That's one thing you can take off your plate. No pun intended, but take that Julie's right. There's no place for guilt. It doesn't help you. Um, and it's been proven over and over and over again, scientifically that, you know, you can see a very, very thin person with skyrocketing blood pressure. And you can see a person that's twice their size. That's tickety boo, you know, 110 over 70. So you cannot judge people's health and wellness by, by looking at people at all. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that we're all just, that's what makes life so great is that we're all different and we look different and bodies aren't just this one picture that we're clipped out of a magazine. Like it, it just isn't. No, I have so much to say on this subject. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll a whole other podcast, <laughs> but it, it is, I mean, it's nice just to end kind of on a, on a high note because I, yeah. you know, people, I just hear this underground mumbling constantly about, and my friends, especially, I don't think I've had one friend that hasn't said to me, Oh my God, my pants, I can't get my pants. And I'm just like, do you know what we've just been through? Do you know mm -hmm. what we're doing? Yeah. And yep. it's a freaking godsend that we've got anything to eat to begin with. I mean, we're very, very lucky and fortunate. Yeah, yeah exactly. But, but there is no permanence. So don't worry about that. And no one's judging anybody. Trust me. No one is they're, we're seeing our friendships going like, Oh my God, thank God I can see you. And maybe I can hug you next week. Like yeah. don't, no one's thinking that. Yeah. And we're all in this together. It's not just one person. It's all of us. It's everyone. Yeah. Look at these, what these poor kids are enduring in mm -hmm. school, out of school, people working, you know, some of us are working, you know, from home and sort of in the comforts of our home. And then there's so many people who are working 10 times as hard as they ever have under yes. crazy, stressful, scary situations and no breaks, no holidays. And it's just like, there's so many extremes that are coming to light in this, through this pandemic, but yeah, but, but we're just, all yes. in it. Yep. We're Together. all in it. Yeah. In different boats. <laughs> anyway, be kind to yourselves and just know that all of us certainly talking to you today, me and Adam and Julie, you know, we're, we're going through, the same things as all of you. We're all waking up and, you know, trying to have good days and by noon it all goes to shit. And then we're, we're trying to, you know, keep going and pulling this pair of pants on. It's like, Oh, I'll try a different pair of pants. No, maybe I'll just resort back to my sweatpants. I think I'll stick yeah. with the old black sweatpants. That the elastic is coming out of um, just don't, because I think, you know, people are still be mindful of social media, be mindful of Instagram pages. I'm telling you right now, people, famous people, influencers or whatever the hell you want to call them, curate their pages and they're taking 500 photographs to get one. So please yeah. know that. And please, if you're a young woman or a young man, if you're a teenager, uh, if you're our 40 to 80 year old fans listening to this podcast, um, just know that those accounts, they take 200 pictures to get one. Mm -hmm. And they have lighting up the ding dong and they have... Filters. Oh my God. So please yeah. don't look at that going. They're curating lives that don't exist. Yeah. And that's why my feed is so goddamn boring. The road, the deers, this, that. I mean, it, it just is, it's just not. I like your feed. Your feed is real. It's genuine. And I like both of you. I follow you both on Instagram and it's real. It's not contrived. It's real. It's, they're great pictures and they're, it's great content but it's real. So thank you for being genuine. Well, no, it's important. I'm very yeah. mindful of what I do yeah. and what I say and what I put out there. I mean, I've got pictures on my Instagram of me that are so terrible. Uh, yeah. I've got cute ones too. Cause a photographer took them. I had hair and makeup. There's 40,000 lights in front of me. I don't even have nostrils. I have so many lights blown out. I'm sure a lot of the pictures are touched up. I'm like, I don't give a crap because people actually know what I look like because they see my pictures on social media. Yeah. Hi. I mean, look at me right now. I always look nutty on these podcasts. <laughs> and I come to 
I, I wander around. I don't hardly wear any makeup anymore. And plus I got the mask on now. What do I need? My pair of glasses and my hair is a, in a ponytail. <laughs> Same. But don't buy into that. Don't lose sight of that because it's all curated very specifically to, and it, it comes from people that are so insecure, just like us. Yeah. And, yes. But they don't want to show you that. They don't want to show you that. Yeah. Even J-Lo has crap days. I know you find that hard to believe, but you know, my, my dad used to say, Jan, everybody poos. Oh Christ, that used to crack me up. I'm like, I think I know what you're saying. I'm not sure where this is going, but everybody poos. Okay. So that's all you need to picture. And it kind of changes things. I know Adam's like, wow, is this how this thing's going to wrap up? Uh, we're falling off the rails now. Okay. That's perfect. The perfect way to wrap up. Okay. That's it's it. True. That's been your bonus content. And um, we'll, we'll try and do this every now and again so that you have an extra 11 minutes of ranting and raving. Perfect. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes. Hopefully twice a day. Thank you, Julie Van Rosen. Okay, I'm going to say goodbye now. Thanks for listening. Thank subscribe, you. Subscribe to us if you can, because that way you get reminded every week when there's a new podcast. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Totally do. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.